who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Coming up, a queer coming-of-age story set in Jamaica. An art heist set during World War II. Plus our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. When we did our Strong Sense of Place episode about Jamaica, I fell in love with that place. It's a real problem with this project. So we keep uncovering new places and I keep thinking, hmm, really want to go there. And when now, are we going to do that? Yeah. And now we're just doomed to wander the earth for the rest of our lives. One way to kind of mitigate that problem a little bit. Yep. I keep my eyes open for books set in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I really want to read a book called Broad Upsy by Christina Cook. Broad Upsy? Broad Upsy. It sounds better if you have a Caribbean accent. It's a Caribbean term that's used to describe someone who has been brought up with good manners and social etiquette. Like, you've been brought up well. Brought up, see. Yeah. This is a queer coming-of-age story that takes place over two weeks in 1996. It's told from the first-person point of view of Akua. She's a 20-year-old queer woman who's returning to her native Jamaica from Canada for some family business. She and her 12-year-old brother had been living in Vancouver, but he's recently died of sickle cell anemia. Mm. That's the same disease that took their mother. Uh. Now, Akua is returning to Kingston with his ashes and to be reunited with her sister. To say that the sisters have a strained relationship is an understatement. Akua left Jamaica and she's gay. Her older sister, Tamika, stayed in Jamaica and she is deeply religious. Oh. And Jamaica is a dangerous place to be gay. Yeah, I've heard that. So Tamika is really troubled by her sister's sexuality. Yeah. They will laugh at you and spit in your face, she says. Are you listening? They will stone you. They will bring their machetes and guns. They will butcher you in broad daylight, then leave you to rot, and the police will pay no mind. This does nothing to bring the sisters closer. Yeah. <laughs> instead, of course, instead of being cautious, Akua starts a relationship with a stripper who shows her a different side of her hometown. Akua's voice is very strong, and the author, Christina Cook, sprinkles Jamaican patois into the dialogue. This story wrestles with sexuality, religion, family, and the meaning of home. A review said it's vivid, emotionally intense, and unafraid of the dark. It's Broadupsy by Christina Cook. 
If you wanted to do a great reading project, you could pair this novel with Butter, Honey, Pig, Bread by Francesca Equiasi. That is a gorgeous book set in Lagos, Nigeria, that grapples with similar life stuff in a very rewarding way. Derek B. Miller is an intriguing person. According to Wikipedia, he works as an international affairs specialist in and around Washington. That sounds very grown up. Yes. His resume is filled with phrases like think tank and United Nations and adjunct senior fellow. And he's been doing that for the last 30 years. I suspect if I ran into him at a cocktail party and he tried to tell me about his work, it would be like explaining Norway to a dog. (laughs) But his hobby, I understand a little bit better. Derek Miller also writes novels. His stories tend to be crime stories that are layered with character development. He frequently adds in a bit of history on top of that. And reviewers say things like genre-defying and page-turning. I like genre-defying. Yeah, Absolutely. He seems to do really good character stuff inside of crime fiction. He's won several awards for his previous novels, and the New York Times selected his last book, How to Find Your Way in the Dark, as the best mystery novel of 2021. Sweet. Yeah. His latest book is out. It's called The Curse of Pietro Houdini. It's a pretty awesome title. It is. Yeah. It's set in Italy during World War II. The novel starts with a fictional author's note which I always find promising. Yes, that is catnip to me. (laughs) The first paragraph of that note says this, Before the Americans bombed our abbey at Mont Cassino in 1944, the same abbey founded by St. Benedict in 529 AD, I stole three paintings from the Nazis, who were stealing them from the monks. I was 14 years old. The story of how three Tiziano paintings from the Renaissance survived the war is therefore the story of how I survived. And the story of how I survived is the story of Pietro Houdini and his curse. I could not be more in. (laughs) Give it to me right now. Right? This book combines coming of age and heist and historical novel and art and a strong sense of Italy in the hands of an award-winning crime author. So in. It just came out two weeks ago. It's called The Curse of Pietro Houdini by Derek B. Miller. I'm not even kidding. I'm reading that this week. (laughs) (laughs) And now our distraction of the week. If you're listening to this show on the day it's released, today is author and poet Judith Viorst's 93rd birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Judith. She was born on February 2nd, 1931. Who is Judith Viorst? She's best known for her absolutely stellar children's book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. The classic. I'll have more to say about that later, but I want to tell you about Judith Viorst first. She was born in Newark, New Jersey, and graduated from Rutgers University in 1952. She married her husband, Milton, in 1960. He was a journalist who specialized in the Middle East, And they were married for 62 years until he died in 2022. In one of her interviews, she shared a great story about what kind of husband he was and what kind of relationship they had. They'd recently moved to Washington, D.C. together, where he worked for the Washington Post. And she took a job as an editor at a science nonprofit that also published books. At work, they asked her to write about the NASA space program. She said she went home to Milton sobbing, saying... 
I finally gotten a chance to write a book and they want me to write about space and I don't even know where space is. (laughs) And Milton said, say yes, we'll figure out where space is. That's nice. Judith still lives in Washington, D.C. She has since written hundreds of magazine articles, two musicals, a novel, 18 children's books, and nine books of poetry including an age-related series that collects poems for every decade of her life, which started with her 20s. Wow. Are we going to unpack that body of work? A little bit. I mean, that's amazing. Two two musicals in addition to a classic children's book and a series of poetry books. Yeah. She's got a lot to say. Yeah. Her most recent poetry book was published in 2019, and it's called Nearing 90 and Other Comedies of Late Life. Basically, whatever age you are, She's got you covered. Yeah, she has spoken to you. But as I said earlier, she's best known for Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Yeah. First published in June 1972. In case you're not familiar, which seems kind of shocking to me, but I believe it is possible. Yeah. The book tells the story of a little boy named Alexander who is having a colossally bad day. His morning starts with getting gum stuck in his hair, tripping on his skateboard, and finding exactly zero toys in his cereal box. His day ends with a too-hot bath, pajamas he hates, and a burnt-out nightlight. Yeah. In between, he suffers through lima beans and all manner of indignities and finds no sympathy from his family or friends. I mean, it really is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yeah. One of the amazing things about that book is that it almost doesn't resolve. He has a horrible day, and the end takeaway is some days are like that. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about that book. Yeah. He doesn't learn a lesson. Things don't turn around. Nope. Nobody it's comes just, to save him. Sometimes it's just like that. Yeah. And you almost have to revel in those bad days as much as you do in the good days. Yeah. And the real trick there is the sympathy that you have for the character, right? The real trick is, look, it happens to other people too. I mean, it's so relatable. Yeah. Who hasn't just kind of gotten up on the wrong side of the bed one day and it's just like that? Yeah. I think I heard this story for the first time at my grandmother's house when I was, I don't know, maybe five or six. I have a sense memory, again, I think, <laughs> Yeah. of her reading it to me, tucked into her bed, And she had a handful of pages torn out of a magazine that were stapled together in the top corner. And I remember the cute black and white illustrations, which I now know were done by Ray Cruz, and this very particular crinkling sound that the magazine pages made. Yeah. But I've done a really intensive internet search to find any historical records that prove it was published in a magazine like Ladies Home Journal or Good Housekeeping. And I've found nothing. So who knows? Still plausible. Maybe it's all my imagination. Yeah. Maybe it actually happened. But I really like that memory, so I'm keeping it. I remember when they were doing that with other books, other children's books. It sort of sewed them into the, like you said, ladies' home journal and off you go. I should also say that when I have one of those bad days that just makes me feel like a grumpy toddler where like there's no particular reason, nothing serious went wrong. It's just been one thing after another. I still read this book to make myself feel better. Yeah. It's on our shelf in our bedroom bookcase. In case of emergencies. Exactly. 
Judith Vior says that she based the Alexander of the story on her real son, Alexander. She said that when he was little, he was something of a klutz. As an example, she said he came home from school limping one day, complaining that his knee hurt, like really making a fuss about his knee. And she said, oh, did that happen when you were playing soccer? And he said, no, story time. (laughs) Do you know how he feels about being immortalized as having a horrible, no good, very bad day? She said that she wrote the book to make him feel better. Yeah. But when the manuscript was finished, she read it to him thinking he would be really excited. Yeah. And his reaction was, why are you making me have this terrible day? (laughs) Why didn't you give it to Nikki, who is his older brother? Yeah. She was shocked because she thought he was going to be happy to be the subject of her book. Yeah. But then she told him that his name would be in big letters on the cover. And he kind of said, okay. And then... On the 50th anniversary of the book in 2022, NPR actually talked to Alexander and asked him a couple of questions about the experiences in the book. He said that he had never actually gotten gum stuck in his hair, but that, yes, his older siblings did pick on him. And he said, I don't think I had any direct hostility to lima beans. (laughs) Those interviews that Judith Viorst did with NPR are really excellent and will make you feel good about life. I'm going to put links in the show notes and I'm going to leave you with a quote from one of her interviews in 2019 when she was 89 years old. Practically everything that I've written that is funny or joyful, I have probably lived through first with tears and crying and bitching and moaning and carrying on. I am not your merry little lady bouncing chucklingly through life, but eventually I pull myself together. Ah, happy birthday, Judith. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more on the books we talked about today and links to all kinds of wonderful things about Judith Fiorst. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. 